Welcome to Timeless Truth with Pastor Jim Thomas, a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. This week we'll be finishing our study of Ephesians, giving our attention to chapter 6. Our hope is that this study has equipped us with a deeper confidence in God, His Word, His will, and His ways through Jesus. Now, let's continue our study with Pastor Jim. Good day, folks. Pastor Jim Thomas from the Village Chapel here in Nashville, Tennessee with your daily devotion today in Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to read uh, verses 5 through 9 today. So if you're uh, able to have a Bible in front of you, great, follow along. And uh, you'll see some interesting uh, differences if you have an English translation that uh, we might find from the NIV or the, the ESV or the NASB, which I happen to be reading out of. But let me read the passage. And then I've got a couple of resources I want to draw from because it's sure to stir up a few questions for each and every one of us. He says here in verse 5, and this is the New American Standard Bible, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men-pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill, Render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters, do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Okay, so certainly you've got some questions and uh, that would be expected. Times are so different when you're reaching back 2,000 years and trying to understand what the Apostle Paul might have said, um, especially when we're jumping those, kind of, like I say, those cultural hurdles, the time gap, um, even the religious context itself, very much uh, uh, the Roman Empire, all about polytheism and, and much of that um, sort of inter- interlaced with, with superstition and And so here we are, people that believe in one true and living God, uh, manifesting himself, as we've seen throughout uh, Ephesians, in a a Trinitarian, sort of a uh, three personalities in one in essence, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So we have that as our backdrop and the whole idea of, of slaves or bond servants. So word is often used in the Greek is doulos, which is, and the Apostle Paul even calls himself the doulos of Christ over and over again. He sees himself as he's writing, even from a prison cell, this very letter, he doesn't see himself as the prisoner of Rome or the prisoner attached to some you know, uh, Roman guard that he's, the, the shackled to with some chains. He's the prisoner of Christ Jesus is the way he, he looks at his own life. He's the bond servant or the slave of Christ Jesus. That's a completely different way of looking at life. And the apostle Paul is encouraging that. Well, sometimes we need a little help, don't we? As we try to interpret what these things, uh, meant and what they might mean. Now, I recommend, if you don't have a good study Bible, getting a hold of one, I'm gonna hold up, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see this or some other uh, platform where you can you can watch this podcast. Uh, this is, if you're, not, if you're just able to listen, uh, I'll, I'll try to make this real clear. This study Bible is the one I recommend. It's, it's the ESV study Bible. 
And um, I love the the scripture notes are usually on the top half of the page or top third of the page. And then there are a bunch of uh, study notes that are below that that help us understand some of these uh, kinds of things. And I wanted to read <clears throat> what they have written here about slaves, bond servants, and masters. And so uh, the ESV Study Bible says this about verses five through nine. The submission of chapter five, verse 21, and I'll remind you that that, that submission, matter of fact, I can read it for you. Let me just quickly turn my Bible back. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ, okay? So that's that big, broad perspective. If you're a member of the body of Christ, if you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christ follower, you're to be subject to one another. There's this large, huge, just mutual submission that is the context as we walk up to all that's followed, verse 21 of chapter five there, everything that he said to wives, to husbands, to children, to parents, all of that now comes into play as well in his day and time for um, uh, those who would be bond servants or those who would be slaves. But watch what he says. This is fascinating to me about their culture, their time, because we're jumping, as I say, these these hurdles, the cultural gaps and the religious gaps and all of that. So here he says, the submission of chapter five, verse 21 is further illustrated with slaves or bond servants, masters as well. The duty of both is based on their both being fellow heirs of eternal life. It's estimated that slaves or bond servants composed about a third of the population of a city like Ephesus. And you'll remember that, uh, I think I've pointed out before, Ephesus was probably at one time during the, the Roman Empire anyway, the second uh, most important, largest city, uh, most metropolitan, lots of ideas flowing in and out of Ephesus. Well, they were uh, slaves were even considered an integral part of a family. So Paul's instructions for bond servants were a natural part of his dealing with family relationships. In both Greek and Roman culture, bond servants had limited rights and were subject to exploitation and abuse. So Paul goes on then to also regulate those relationships as he talks not only to the bond servants, but to masters as well. Uh, the ESV Study Bible continues and says, Paul does not condone the existing system of servitude, but instead provides instructions to believing masters and bond servants regarding their relationship to each other in the Lord and how this should be lived out within the bonds of their social and legal culture. The result, as is often observed, is that this kind of servitude slowly died out in antiquity through the influence of Christianity. And I think that is true. You see it even, um, even as you read a, a letter like Philemon, for instance, in the New Testament, you see the Apostle Paul um, uh, changing the mind uh, of, of, uh, of Philemon as he talks to him about Onesimus, uh, a slave that had escaped uh, Philemon's household, and Paul writing back to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. It's really an amazing letter, and I encourage you to read that as well. The principles in this passage apply today, it says in the ESV Study Bible, in terms of submission to any lawfully constituted authority. Uh, the only exception being if such a lawfully constituted authority were to require a believer to disobey God's word or to fundamentally compromise one's commitment. To Christ, I think that's a helpful distinction, don't you? Um, I find here, as I look at this passage that we've just read, 
verses 5 through 9, and you can give it a little more careful study yourself. But there are indeed instructions here for both servants and masters. Uh, the fourfold instructions for servants to obey their masters, each carry along right along with them the way he spells it out here uh, in verses 5 uh, and 6 and 7, are that they are to serve with fear and trembling in sincerity. He says that, okay? Uh, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and insincerity of your heart as to Christ. So this is all about the disposition of heart. It's all about the demeanor with which you serve and go to do your job, whatever that might be uh, in our day and time. Whoever, whatever company it is you work for, whatever uh, post you may have, um, uh, working if you're working in the government uh, or in the military service, whatever it might be, you're to do that with fear and trembling. And that just that, that doesn't mean you go in cowering and, and trembling, afraid to, you know, just, just always um, wrapped up in anxiety. That's not what that means at all. It means it with respect and awe and wonder, um, eyes full of wonder. You're going in with full sincerity of heart to work as unto Christ. The second of the fourfold instructions for servants in their obedience to their masters is to serve not merely to be seen. He says there, um, verse six, not by way of eye service as men pleasers. Uh, oh, the boss is looking. Let me really quick act like I'm busy. Act like I'm doing something. Um, not as merely, you know, sort of to be seen uh, as pleasing men. The, the third of the fourfold instructions for servants as they're obeying their masters and you might say employees as they're working for their employers is to, uh, to serve as servants of Christ, doing the will of God. We see that in the last half of verse six, but as slaves or servants of Christ, bond servants, doing the will of God from the heart. Don't, don't miss those three words, from the heart. That's so important for us. In other words, don't be posers and pretenders. Don't be hypocrites. The problem with this is that it's so easy for us to put on the mask, um, to pretend, to pose. Um, in so many categories of life, we want to be seen as, as more faithful, more diligent, uh, more effective than we actually are. And he's saying, don't do that. Don't be a hypocrite in that regard. Um, do this as unto the Lord, doing the will of God uh, from the heart in reality. Don't fake it. Do it. Really do it. And the fourth instruction for servants to obey their masters, um, each of these four, again, has an as phrase attached to it. So we get serve with fear and trembling and sincerity as to Christ. Um, we have secondly, serve not merely to be seen as pleasing men. Thirdly, serve as slaves of Christ as doing the will of God. And then seventh, or fourthly rather, in the seventh verse, sorry, I got that bad. With goodwill, render service as to the Lord mm -hmm. and not to men. The whole idea there is with good will. Your intention is to do good. Um, in sort of modern day parlance, that might be to add value to your company. You want to be a good worker. 
whatever it is you do, if you push a broom, you dig a ditch, or you work work in a, a skyscraper downtown in some kind of executive office, do good work for your employer um, with good will as serving the Lord. I think that's really, really good. Now, let me remind you, and, and the ESV Bible, uh, study Bible was helpful in this. Now, some estimates say there were about 60 million slaves or bond servants in the Roman Empire. There is definitely a difference between the social system and order of the world and the spiritual system and order of God. We even see that as you consider what it might have been like for you to live in the first century and to be a bond servant in a, in a household, for instance. And uh, this this is not to be confused. Uh, it's It's there are some similarities, but it's not to be completely identified with what we in the West would know of as um, uh, 18th and 19th century slavery here in the United States. So being obedient means a willingness to serve and add value to those in authority over you. Being respectful means to show proper respect and honor uh, with sincerity of heart, because that's what helps keep the society that we live in well-ordered, um, don't fake it, he says. Uh, only working when someone's watching. Uh, I love uh, D.A. Carson is, is so insightful as a, uh, a living New Testament, pro- probably one of the leading living New Testament uh, scholars. He says, the heart of genuine worship is the working out of, in every aspect of our lives, the confession, Jesus is Lord. And that's essentially what the Apostle Paul has said here. As to Christ, as to the Lord. And when he says that over and over again, that is we're to keep Jesus at the center and the motivating center of all that we do. Whether he's talking to husbands and wives about their relationship, whether he's talking to children about their relationship to their parents or fathers, their relationship to their children, uh, or whether he's talking about people who are bond servants working in the employment uh, under the provision and safety and protection of a of a, uh, a household master or a um, uh, in our day and time, whether you're an employee working for an employer, in some way dependent upon the social order and structure of our time, we're to do that in every way with a, the sort of background motivation that Jesus is Lord of my day to day. Uh, and and today I'll have eighty six thousand four hundred seconds to serve Jesus. Um, What will we do with those seconds? Really important for us. So verse eight, really the ultimate motivation for servants, whatever good thing each one does, he'll receive back from the Lord. Now, whether you're you're slave or free, whether you're an employer or an employee, uh, in either case, it should cement in our hearts and minds that God is impartial, that God loves fairness, that God loves uh, equity and uh, his righteous judgment is indeed gonna come to bear on all of us, no matter who we are. So that's the ultimate motivation for servants is to do a great job as unto the Lord. Verse nine is the ultimate motivation for anyone who is an employer uh, or someone in in first century uh, terms would be a master. You share a common master in heaven with all of those who serve you uh, in your household the Apostle Paul says, or if you're an employer today, remember, you're also under the authority of the God of heaven. Be respectful of your employees. Seek the good 
of those who serve you. Instead of being harsh or threatening, use positive motion, motivation rather. Display a healthy fear of the Lord yourself. I cannot stress that enough, especially for those of you in business that have employees or those of you who work for a company and in some way you have people under your authority. Display a healthy fear of the Lord. It's contagious um, and it affects everybody's attitude toward all authority, really. And, uh, and I think that makes for a better work environment. Don't play favorites, be fair. Rico Tice has a small booklet called Faithful Leaders. I really recommend it to you if you're in any kind of leadership position. And it's really about the, the heart and the nature and the relationship of anybody in leadership to the Lord. The way of the cross, he says, is utterly incompatible with self-serving. So whether you're an employee or an employer, uh, whether you're in authority in a family uh, or you find yourself under the authority of someone in a family. What he's saying is that self-serving has to fade to the background when we consider the cross. And we should always be considering the cross. Everything we do should be as unto the Lord. This passage is, re- is just unbelievably similar to another passage the Apostle Paul wrote to the uh, church at Colossae. I want to read it for you, and it will say a lot of the same kinds of things, but I just want you to see this is consistent in the Apostle Paul's teaching. Um, chapter 3 of Colossians, verses 18 to 25. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. As is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. There's, and there's so many ways husbands get embittered. They get all moody. They get all, you know, they <clears throat> pouty and all that sort of. Don't do that, husbands. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. See, God loves order. God loves beauty. And he's written all of that into his creation and into our relationships. Fathers, do not exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. Don't frustrate your kids, fathers. Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve, for he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. In other words, God's impartial, and God will be the one that will ultimately all answer to. Now, whomever lives like that will definitely stand out in the postmodern selfie generation, the crowd of me first and me only. You're going to stand out a little bit. But I got news for you. I think it's going to make you a better employee. And it's going to make you and your family a better environment to live in. Thomas Terrence is the president emeritus of the C.S. Lewis uh, Institute. He says, as we refuse to be preoccupied with ourselves and our own importance and seek to love and serve others, it will reorient us from self-centeredness to other-centeredness, to serving and caring for others just as Jesus did for us. In the narcissistic culture of contemporary America, this is particularly powerful counter-cultural witness of Christ's presence and lordship in our lives. 
Yeah, you said that well. Uh, I'll post all of this in the show notes. And if any of this is uh, uh, in some way um, uh, answered some of the questions you might have about being a Christian in contemporary society, um, you can you can download those show notes, and I hope you'll you'll pass this along to others that you think might have some of those same kind of questions. Um, along the way. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray for all of us, uh, whether we're employees, employers, uh, whether we're under someone else's authority or whether we happen to be uh, at, the, at the top of some authority structure. Um, we pray, Lord, for ourselves that we will hear what you want us to, to learn in this passage. That we'll see what we couldn't see on our own, but because it's your word and because the Holy Spirit is at work in our hearts and our minds, uh, that we can see what we might not have seen, that we can learn what we might not have learned otherwise. Um, and then, Lord, do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Remake our hearts and our minds. Um, renew us. Um, transform us. Uh, that we may go out and live as to the Lord for the glory of Jesus. Amen and amen. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's study. Take a moment to leave a review and share this episode with friends and family. You can stay connected by signing up for our newsletter or follow us on social media. At the Village Chapel, we believe God's Word is unique in its source, timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com.